millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, y'all. Merle L. Billy here. And I'd like... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Got stories so creepy they'll make your knees knock. So put on your best flannel shirt and grab a jug of moonshine because we're about to venture into a world of pure terror. When I was younger, I used to go to a place called Desolation Wilderness near Camino, California. It was the perfect place for camping and fishing, realizing that it had been a few years since my last trip. I talked to a friend of mine to go camping and fishing. 
we managed to talk another friend into coming with us, and then we were off. We arrived around 1 p.m. and decided to hike upstream from a place called Wright's Lake, and then when we found a good spot, we would set up camp. After walking for a couple hours, a ranger found us hiking and told us that we actually weren't even technically in desolation wilderness yet, and that we needed to keep hiking for a bit longer. I started tearing down the camp, but I guess the other two guys were not as enthusiastic about the trip as I was. They left for Placeville to find a hotel room. When they left, I hiked up a bit farther, but I started to worry about the amount of time I had to find a place and set up my camp before dark. As I hiked, I tried to remember the ranger's instructions, but I ended up getting lost. Finally, I found the granite cliff with a stream that had a beautiful pool of water and was right on the tree line. I thought it was perfect, so I set up camp and started fishing. When the sun had set and the sky was dark, I decided to go to sleep. Cozy in my sleeping bag, I started to drift off, but then I heard something growl outside my tent. I grabbed the .45 compact handgun from its case and looked down through the screen on the front of the tent. From where I was standing, I could only see a dark figure that looked around four and a half feet tall, standing near the trees. Thinking that, as a bear, I started yelling, hoping that I would scare it away. It didn't move. I then fired a shot at a dead tree nearby. That startled it, and it ran back into the forest. But, to my surprise, it didn't go very far. I climbed back into my tent. Then I heard crashing sounds. It was the sound of rocks falling off the cliff and hitting the pool below and the rocks around it. This was unnerving. I climbed out of my tent a few times, but I couldn't see anything even though the moon was bright and the white granite rocks reflected its paleness. Crashing rocks hit every few minutes until around two in the morning. Then it stopped. But I heard something rustling just outside my tent. I yelled at it and tried to scare it off. But instead of scaring it, I heard a very deep growling sound in return. At this point, I didn't want to wait until it got too close. So I got out of my tent and looked around. Nothing. I decided to shoot the tree again to see if the creature would react, then run back into the forest again, just like the first time, but it stopped again. As I listened to the sounds of his moving, I realized that it was running on two feet. This was not a bear. I didn't want to go back into my tent. I grabbed my sleeping bag and moved over to the middle of the big slab of white granite nearby. I felt safer. I knew the forest was further away from me, but I could still hear the noises of rocks crashing. I prayed the sun would come up soon. At about four, thirty in the morning, I was awoken from my light sleep. I looked back at the trees, but didn't see anything. So I looked back over at my tent. There it was, standing at the side of my tent. I panicked and picked up my gun and shot the side of the creature, but it didn't flint. Then, with giant steps, it walked toward me. I shot at it. I wasn't sure if a point forty-five would even stop such a beast. But it was my only hope. After the second shot rang out, it was off into the trees. Shaken like a leaf, I sat down, clutching my gun. I waited for hours until the light started to appear in the sky. I broke camp and headed back down to Wright's Lake. That was the last time I saw the creature. That was also the last time I went to the desolation wilderness, and I will never go back.
In northern Canada, I went deep into the wilderness with my father and my eldest brother to hunt for moose. We left in the early morning, just before sunrise, trying to cover as much distance as possible before nightfall. We traveled winding rivers and had to repeatedly portage over rapids all day. We decided to set up camp just over halfway to our destination. My father figured that we'd make the rest of the journey tomorrow. Well, when everyone bedded down for the night, I decided to go grab some firewood and relieve myself down by the bank of the river, just out of reach of the light from the campfire. Out from the tree line, about fifteen yards away, I could hear rustling in the bushes. I watched the area where I heard the noise and focused on that spot. I felt kind of funny, dizzy lightheaded. Then I could smell this putrid stink like old milk or rotten food. Then I saw the trees start to morph and move ever so slightly and began to, to take the shape of a head and slight facial features. My eyes began to adjust to the darkness and along the tree line. I could hear this voice coming from there. I recognized it. The voice sounded like one of my relatives who had recently passed. The face took shape of my relative. Hello, they said. I have missed you. Come see me. I smiled and stepped forward a bit, but stopped to analyze the situation. My relative's face stopped smiling and became emotionless. The skin began to turn pale and peel away. Chunks of flesh from their cheeks began to fall away, and I felt shock and fear overwhelm my body. I couldn't make sense of it at all, so I started to back away and make my way to camp. I didn't realize at the time that I'd been walking towards the voice and I was further away from the firelight. The voice became angry and began shouting at me to come here, so I turned to run away, but as I looked back one more time, I saw the most disgusting thing I had ever seen. It was rotting flesh on gnawed bone, caved in eyes, and a hollow chest cavity. This humanoid creature was tall and super thin. I ran as fast as I could, trying to yell for help, but the fear had made my voice quiet and raspy. I ran along the riverbank, and I could hear the heavy breaths and the stomping feet from this thing right behind me. I made it onto the top of the riverbank, but it grabbed hold of my leg as I jumped up. I gripped and tore the grass, trying to lift myself, and yelled as loud as I could. Then finally my voice came back, and I yelled that someone has my leg. My brother woke up and ran over to where I was, then he pulled me up and took me over to the fire. I was terrified, trying to explain what I saw and that it looked like my relative, but not. I was trying to convince them that I wasn't seeing things, but my brother nodded his head and said I saw it too, I know. That solidified it. He acknowledged that it was real. We stayed up all night after that. Rifles loaded and close by. We packed up when the sun was coming up and went back home. We haven't shared that story with anyone out of fear of being labeled as crazy or liars. I've had nightmares and couldn't sleep for months afterwards. I would see things, dark figures, looking into my window or hear whispers when I was walking home at night. Eventually, I was seeing this dark figure daily. I went to Medicine Man Shaman for help, but I've learned that the ceremonies only relieves it temporarily. Friends have given me everything from protection pouches to certain crystals. I found out that there's a strong possibility that I encountered a Wendigo. I learned that if you encounter one and survive, it attaches itself to you like a parasite. I learned that it could only do this if it touches you, which it did. 
Ever since that night, I've been on edge when I enter any forest or wooded area, which sucks because I love being outdoors and hunting and in nature. Now I always feel like I need to keep my back against something when I'm out in the wild. Anyways, make your own conclusions about this. I've paid a price for being an ignorant child of the stories of old. They are real. I can attest to that. Stay safe, everyone. This story happened to a friend of mine. I share it here with his permission. My friend described what he experienced as follows. Here. 1986. There were no electricity or road in the village. The villagers had to go to Elzig, the city of Turkey, to meet their needs. The road to the center was two, three kilometers from the village. It was necessary to be on this road at 4.30 a.m. to reach Elzig. There was only one car that goes to Elzig. The car was coming back like noon. The road used to go to Elzig was called Kinderizi, Demon Creek. By the villagers, and they thought that strange events were happening there and that it wasn't auspicious. Me and two of my friends started preparing at 3 p.m. to hit the road. The road we had to cross that included the Demon Creeks to reach Elazig was on our minds. First, we planned to cross the ridgeway, then the Demon Creek, and enter the highway that leads to Elazag. Afterwards, we hit the road. We lighted our cigarettes while being in a deep conversation. It was utter darkness. There wasn't even moonlight. We were slowly encouraging ourselves to cross the Demon Creek and thinking about that moment. We were getting close to the Demon Creek, but first we had to cross the ridgeway. The path was so narrow that two people could not walk side by side, and it was filled with big bushes. We were moving in. The single line. I was the last one in the row. The first guy in the row named Kamal suddenly stopped, and he mentioned that there was a black dog watched us without moving on the way. I thought to myself, it's one of our village dogs. My friends were very nervous. We were getting more scared of the stories that we'd heard since our childhood. Now I was scared and started reciting Bismillah. It's a mother prey. The dog suddenly got out of the way and disappeared after moving a few meters away in the bushes. After the dog had disappeared, we thought to ourselves what the dog was doing there and continued to walk. After walking for one to two minutes, Camille suddenly stopped again and yelled, It's the same. Dog again, Hawson, before moving a few steps back. Three of us didn't know what to do because of confusion and fear. The dog was looking at us again. I recited Bismillah again. The dog stood up and vanished again at the bushes. My friend said, Han, Hashem, let's go back and don't go there. And I said, We need to cross this road. If we don't, we will after tomorrow. We will use this road for shopping and calm them down. Then we continued to our path. My friends were scared. Of course, do I. We were talking about why did the dog appear at us again? I tried to calm them down by saying, he's just a common dog and following us. We continued to our path. We couldn't believe our eyes what we had seen after three, five minutes. A cold black goat was standing on the road, like blocking the way. We were so scared. 
We started to pray and recite Bismillah. The goat suddenly disappeared. Disappearing of the goat made me comprehend that these events weren't ordinary at all, and we got scared seriously, but going back was unnecessary. I calmed my nerves and went to the first row of the line, and I backed my friends. I was both praying and continuing our route. It was only a sharp corner left for Demon Creek. We were shocked when we finished crossing the sharp corner. What we had seen was indescribable. Long white as snow, shining silhouette, shape mass. Whatever, it was obvious that it had arms and legs, but its face was ambiguous and so it started to create sounds of rumble, scream, crying. We closed our ears with our hands. We were throwing ourselves out of fear and flapping on the ground. In the same time, there was blindly shining. I started to recite my known prayers. My friends were yelling, cursing, and they didn't know what they were doing. I was thinking about how to escape this situation and staying calm. I dragged my friends out of that incident. The screaming voices turned into laughter while we were escaping from there. The laughter echoed in our minds. We head back to the village, but we didn't know how we could come back. At the entrance of the village, there was the house of Kemal. When Kemal's parents saw us, they couldn't believe their eyes. They said, what's the matter with you? Yeah, paleness in your face. We couldn't speak, trembling continuously, make noises like dummies. They informed our relatives. They also came here. They tried to grasp with the mind the situation. I rest for a while and drank some water and told them the story. The villagers were stunned. They told us to thank God that you could come in one piece. We thought that we saved ourselves, but from sunrise to sunset for forty days we had heavy headaches, skin rash, huge herpes on our lips. I was driving home from work on a six-lane highway heading west into Hamilton, Ontario. As I drove on my side of the highway, I saw a dog cross from the left side to the right. That area is full of trees, bushes, channels, and ravines of water that are offshoots of Lake Ontario. When I saw the dog, it was approximately one half of a kilometer ahead of me. The astonishing aspect of this dog, I'm certain it was a dog, was that its length from nose to rump, excluding its tail, covered almost the full width of the lane, eight feet. Where it was heading was back into a small valley filled with heavy forestation and a ravine. I couldn't believe a dog could grow to that size. I still remind my boyfriend of this occasionally. I have no witnesses. This happened to me in July this year, and I've been thinking about it constantly since. I'll try to sum up the experience as best I can. So I'm kind of a mentally ill weirdo. I have borderline personality disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder, and I'm a 24-year-old girl who lives alone in the city. Just mind my own business. I have a few friends, but I'm not close with my family. It's not unusual for me to go a few weeks or months without really seeing anyone besides co-workers, especially during the globalized pandemic. So I've just been doing my own thing. This encounter happened during one of those few-week stretches of isolation. 
I'm only giving this bit of exposition so people can understand my psych history as well as my mental state, etc. So, start of July, I got this uncontrollable impulse to go camping and stargaze. I never go camping alone, haven't been in around four years, and had no camping shit whatsoever. But I wanted to go for some reason, so I researched some good dark sky spots in Utah, found a cute little campground about four hours into the desert, and reserved the last spot available for a week out from that day. I bought all my stuff the day before and just drove out. I'm horrible at planning and time management, so by the time I arrived at the campground, the sun was already going down. I also had forgotten my charger and realized I had to make my 60% battery last until I could make it back to the city the next day. There was no service out there, so that seemed east enough. My entire goal was to chill in my hammock chair all night and stargaze anyway, so all I needed was some music for that. I specifically chose the night of a new moon for this, so I knew I had to get my tent set up and situated aging services access points before the sun went down. There are a lot of others here, but most are families with kids getting ready for bed. Could hear parents reading scripture to their kids before bed, Mormons, and could see others reading on Kindles and stuff before sleeping. By the time everything is set up, it's about 10 p.m. Everyone almost at once turns their lights off and passes out. This really weirded me out at first because it was the perfect night for stargazing. I didn't see a single other person setting up a chair to stargaze, any telescopes, or even just someone outside of their tent looking up. Everyone was either already asleep or going to sleep. I gave it some more thought and figured they all probably just want to wake up before or with the sunrise because we are in the desert. Sleeping in wouldn't exactly be a pleasant experience when you're getting cooked alive, I imagine. I worked night shift, so it's staying up was not an issue in the slightest bit. So at this point, the only people I can see that are awake are myself, this family at the campground vaguely near me reading scripture, and a whole mess of people at the bathroom. My tent is located at the far side of the campground, so to me left is nothing but desert and cliff. In front of me is the bathroom. About 100 feet or so away, two other campgrounds, about 300 feet away, and more desert sky. To my right and behind me is the rest of the campground. There is another bathroom on the far side of the campground behind me to my right, which is probably around 700-900 feet away. These two bathrooms are the only source of any light in the campground, aside from a few people who are using their flashlights to come to and from the bathroom. Like I said earlier, I'm a weirdo. I won't deny that. Which makes honestly telling this story to others hard. So my goal out here was to grieve and to move on from a lot of loss I experienced a year ago. A lot of bad stuff happened in my life, and I lost a lot of loved ones as a result. Sometimes a good mushroom trip will really help one find a lot of closure when it comes to grief. So that was my only goal this trip. I ate around two grams and was coming up around 11 p.m. Now, hear me out here. What kind of close encounter story can be believed when the person telling it was under the influence of a psychedelic, you might be asking? That's a good question. And I would say that being skeptical of a person's experience under the influence of such drugs is common sense. That being said, I want to say I have a gross amount of experience with psychedelics, 
some trips in even weirder and more isolated places than this. I've tripped on mushrooms easily dozens of times in my life, and on acid probably over a hundred times. I've kept tons of trip journals. Have recordings from trips, etc. Never once has anything like this happened to me before or since. I've never seen things while tripping, have never interacted with inter entities, have never had thoughts or paranoia about something being there that's not. I always have the same trips, which is some textures get wavy, my emotions become full and bright, and I feel at peace in my mind for those few hours finally. That's it. I'm convinced that what happened to me in the desert was not a product of the drugs, but merely happened to me while I was tripping. It would have been the same had it not been on psychedelics. But that's just my opinion. I definitely do invite skepticism otherwise. So, yeah, I'm coming up and am ready to stargaze. I gotta pee, though, and all these people hanging out around the bathroom are making me nervous. No one else is awake that I can see now. No lights are on or tents open anywhere around me. The only people still awake are all over by the bathroom. I eventually cave and just head over and do my thing. No one bothered me or said anything to me, luckily. I start walking back over to my chair, so my spot is pretty close to the bathroom. I can walk from the front of it in a straight line in the dark, and I will without fail hit my tent after about 25 seconds walking. Because it's this easy, I don't bother whipping my flashlight out to get there. Plus, save my phone battery for the drive out is still my priority anyway. I'm walking through the dark when I see the outline of my hammock chair and a person standing right next to it staring at it. I freeze and stare at them. I'm super confused as to why this person is in my camp spot, standing alone in the dark just staring at my chair. Maybe they are curious about it? I don't know. It's weird F. I wave at them, but they don't notice, so I move a little closer, and I guess the sound of my footsteps alerted them to my presence because they shot their head up towards me, took around three steps in my direction, backed up about six steps, flashed a bluish flashlight in my eyes, and fast walked away from me towards another person I hadn't noticed, either standing in the dark around fifteen feet from us. The both stand next to each other, shining their blue flashlights at their feet, and they both move around me towards the bathroom and disappear into the girls' restroom. Weird, right? I thought so, standing there all terrified like a dumb bitch. I rationalize that the first person must have been waiting for their friend to catch up or something. I sit down and finally put on some good music in my headphones and just melt into the beautiful show playing in the sky above. It's now around 11.30 to midnight, and there's still people messing around near the women's restroom. It's actually just really distracting at this point and bugging me a lot because it's right in my line of sight. They just keep waving their flashlights around and coming in and out, but they never seem to go anywhere. They will walk out of the restroom, turn their lights off, and just walk into the dark without their lights to guide them. They usually will either walk behind the bathroom where I can't see them, or off to the left side into the dark where there are no camp spots. I notice someone is standing next to me. I tear my headphones out and shoot my head to my right. There is a silhouette of a person standing about seven feet from my chair. I am frozen and spooked pretty bad. 
They take around two or three steps towards me, then back up again around six and walk around me and away into the dark with no flashlight away from me in the bathroom. Now I'm spooked. I don't think it's anything supernatural right now, but I definitely think it's some people up to no good. The nearest city is hundreds of miles away, and we are far from any civilization out here. If these were people trying to hurt me, they could do it rather easily. I stay in the chair for now, but I keep my headphones off so I can hear the environment around me. My head is now on a swivel, but I'm still trying my best to enjoy the night. Now it's midnight, and no one else is awake. No flashlights anywhere, no voices, nothing. All the bathroom people finally vanished, and it was just me awake as far as I could tell. With my headphones off, I started to notice sounds now. The sound of a jet somewhere near would come and go, flying around somewhere in the desert. I kept looking for its, its craft lights, but could never find them. This deep, almost physics-defying boom would occasionally shake the desert, but in a weird way. When I heard and felt it, I would feel my body tense and shake with it, and the air too. But never the ground. It's weird because it sounded as if it was coming from the ground itself, not the air. I would hear what also sounded like laughter coming from the desert to my left. A portion of desert with no camp spots or people. I'm still at this point just chilling. I'm obviously starting to suspect some weird shit, but for the most part, I'm chilling and enjoying the night. Then, orbs in the sky. I practically shit myself when I saw this. Above one of the cliffs far out on the horizon, this little swarm of glowing orbs had appeared, and they were almost dancing around one another. I remember this moment very, very clearly. I remember seeing them, thinking I can't explain that. What the F is that? There is nothing I could imagine could move like that. Not even drones. I won't record this, I promise. It would ruin it, and I want to see it through. I remember thinking that last part very clearly out of nowhere, and thought it was weird how specific it was in my mind. I hadn't even thought to record it in the first place as I had just noticed it, but here I was making a promise to myself that I wouldn't even try no matter what would happen. Another cluster of orbs appears in the sky to my right, and almost simultaneously the orbs to my left instantly shoot across the sky to join the other orbs. I start smiling like an idiot. This is it. The thing I've been staring at the sky looking for my whole life. The thing I stopped believing in for decades because I never saw it. I'd, I'd let the world convince me that it was just as boring as it appeared and never once allowed myself to think it could actually be more than that. And the proof of that was finally staring me in the face. I had to keep checking in with myself being like this isn't the shrooms, right? No, it's definitely not. I see that and I know I'm not hallucinating it probably went through that little personal questioning close to a dozen times over the course of the next few minutes. The jet sound comes back, and it's much louder now. I can actually see the aircraft lights now too flying directly overhead, but they aren't blinking like usual. They fly into this dark cloud in the sky. I hadn't noticed before, and vanish along with the jet sound. The orbs continue playing around each other until they vanish too. All in all, I'd say this lasted for like an hour. It's now around 1 a.m., and I really gotta pee.
obviously hold it as long as I can because I am witnessing the single most special thing I'll ever get to see right in front of my eyes. But eventually I break and just want to get it over with. So, I'm a trans woman. I wouldn't even bring that up if it didn't have some sort of relevancy to the story, to be honest. I look and sound exactly like a girl. It's pretty much impossible for people to tell I'm not cis and haven't been clocked in a long time, but I still have a penis. I'm out here in the desert and on shrooms witnessing some high strangeness, but I still gotta be careful of what bathroom I use. Normally, I would just use the girls, but those people I encountered earlier were still making me paranoid, so I figured if worse comes to worse, I'd rather be caught in the men's in case there are some weirdos out here. I head in there and am doing my thing at the urinal as fast as possible. I zip down and start going. The moment I start the door to the restroom, shoots the F open, and some guy with short brown hair, around five feet six, and a half-sunken, droopy face runs and eyes glued to the ground and barges into the stall next to me, shutting the door and doing his biz. The only word I could use to describe him was he looked sick. This, obviously, scares the F out of me. It's like 1 a.m. and I haven't seen another human being in a few hours, and I just saw the light show in the sky. And I'm a sass-looking girl, peeing standing up at a urinal, and I'm alone with this dude. He pees for no joke three seconds. That's it. All that rush, all that urgency, for three seconds of tinkle time. Who does that? He spent the rest of his time in there slowly pulling out toilet paper from the roller for some reason. I'm a dumb bee and just held my bladder for way too long, so I'm trying my best to just get it all out so I can leave, but it's taken forever. I finally finish, and for some reason go to wash my hands. I don't know why, it just felt like the right thing to do in the moment, Lomayo. The guy shoots out of the stall again, wait hard and fast, comes in right next to me at the sink, washes his hands for a total of two seconds, and leaves the bathroom as fast as he entered. I'm just kind of shook, but again I'm trying to rationalize this. I just think he's probably tripping, too, and the sight of some girl peeing at the urinal at 1 a.m. probably made him think I was an alien, too. So I head out and back to my chair. The moment I sit down the lights in the bathroom, I was just in shut off all at once. The lights in the girls' bathroom and the boys. No one enters or leaves, either, and now just a single tiny yellow bulb can be seen glowing above a park ranger's bulletin board on the side of the building. I sit down and almost kind of invite more weird shit to happen around me. The jets are back now and louder than before. There are orbs now, a huge ring around the campground, pulsating and growing and then dimming, slowly drifting around. I'm terrified, but also I can't move. It's too cool to be honest. That's really the whole reason I didn't hide in my tent. Who the F in their right mind would listen to their instinct to run? when you could see how far it could go. I hear weirder sounds coming from the desert, what sounds like shouting and a baby crying far, far away. The orbs reappear in the sky, and behind the trees next to my tent, it looks like the moon is shining through. But it's a new moon. It's now 2 a.m. The bathroom lights come back on, but only the lights in the men's restroom. The women's remain off, and I see no one come or go. 
At the point, the only thing that can be heard coming from my mouth the past little bit is I'm a dumb bee. Why am I doing this? This is terrifying, and I'm dumb for just letting it happen. I'm very aware of my desire to run and give in to the fear, but that is highly outweighed by my curiosity. At least it was. A person who comes from seemingly nowhere with no flashlight on and no clear intention of direction walks in front of the bathroom, and it's terrifying. Normally, that ain't scary. It's just some person. But like this person was easily 10, 13 feet tall. The bathroom itself was around 13 feet tallish, and this person walking in front's head was at mid-level with the top ventilation window, though the crown of their head was taller than the building itself. He walked in front of the restroom and into the dark, and I shot out of my chair. The only thing I said was nope. Nope. Nope, that's my line. You. That's terrifying, nope, nope. Or something like that. As fast as I could, I ran into my tent and quickly zipped it up. There was no not running at this point. My sympathetic nervous system just oiled over and was very adamant that I needed to hide. It's hard to describe what I felt, but it was the most primal fear I've ever felt. I have borderline personality disorder and complex post-traumatic stress disorder, so I'm used to feeling a staggering amount of terror in my mind on a daily basis when my symptoms show up. But this was on a whole other level. It was like some deep animal part of me understood the moment I saw them and I was no longer at the top of the food chain. Another ultra-predator, much smarter than me, had just made itself known and my body was tending up like a wild animal at the sight of it. I felt truly humble and small in that moment and knew I was outmatched. They were now outside of my tent and were scurrying non-circles around the sound of their footsteps gave way into the feeling of their voice playing side by side my own inner voice. This is where it gets hard to explain. We talked, but talking is not the right word for it. They communicate in pure concept and feeling, and it's so subtle and instantaneous it's hard to describe how obvious it is, while at the same time being so subtle as to almost be indistinguishable from your own thoughts or feelings. The things we talked about were rather personal, so I won't go into too much detail. I asked them about the jets, whether that was us, and if we are trying to find them. They said, yes, I thought we aren't smart enough to find you guys. They said, no, you were smart. You just aren't creative. They said... They are scared of us, too, but are much more aware of us than them. They want to know us more, but it's hard. Too much complication. It sighted me running and hiding as proof, I said. That's natural. I'm still an animal with a nervous system hardwired towards survival. Something new and unknown is going to do that to people, no matter how rational they try and stay. They said they liked me because I was honest about the fear. They were scared, too. They want freedom, and they want that for us, too. But they aren't quite sure what to do. Or at least they wouldn't tell me. Whenever I would ask their name or why they were here, they would deliberately ignore me. They also seemed to get a kick out of messing with me, also citing that as a reason for this. They did one thing that I really liked, and it was to show me they have always cared and always will. 
It's hard to describe the feeling they gave me, but it really was unconditional love. They called me family and kept expressing their love for me and told me that I chose this. I didn't get that part all too well. When they said that to me, all these memories flooded in from my childhood, but I'm still struggling to draw any connections. After a while, I of course had to pee again. I did, and nothing happened. I went back into my tent to eat some trail mix and to record an audio recording of what we just talked about so I could remember as much as possible. I noticed the time on my phone said something like 11 a.m. My phone has never messed up like that before and changed the time on me. It was a little validating to see, to be honest. It was very clearly the middle of the night, not 11 a.m. I left the tent and they messed with me some more. More orbs in the trees, lights going off in the bathroom, etc. Eventually, 5 a.m. hit, and they were gone. The sun came up, and I headed home. There's a lot of details I skipped over, as this post is already way too long. But there you have it. Like I said, I don't expect anyone to believe me. I invite the skepticism honestly, as I was under the influence of a psychedelic substance. I do have to say, out of the hundreds of trips I've had, I've never experienced something like this before or since. I truly believe that these events happened, and that the drugs were not responsible for their inception whatsoever. What to take away from it? I don't know, to be honest. And it was amazing, and I want to meet to meet them again. I am extremely humbled now. I believe in other beings again, and have this sense of family and home in myself I've never quite had before. Has anyone out there met them too? I'd love to hear your story, if so, and let you know you aren't alone in your experience. They are out there, and they do exist. <laughs>